Faculty are the heart and soul of Ohio University's experience, and so today we couldn't be more proud to have one of our own deliver the commencement address. Dr. Michael Sweeney. Yes, he's got quite a fan club. Dr. Michael Sweeney is a professor in the E.W. Scripps School of Journalism and the Associate Director for Graduate Studies. He received the 2018 Outstanding Graduate Faculty Award. He's a veteran newspaper journalist, an experienced media source, and a book author whose titles include Complete Guide to Brain Health and Titanic, Uncovering the Secrets of the World's Greatest Shipwreck. He has published a total of 22 books. He's one of our cherished alumni, receiving his PhD in journalism from the E.W. Scripps School of Journalism in 1996. Some of his students describe Dr. Sweeney as a knowledgeable, empathetic and inspiring fa faculty member. He goes out of his way to help students and makes them a top priority. The daily impact he has on the student experience at Ohio University has been truly outstanding. Please join me in welcoming your commencement speaker, Dr. Michael Sweeney. Have some fans here. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, I believe one of our honorary degree recipients has issued me a challenge. <laughs> I'm talking about you. <laughs> and I say challenge accepted. Well, today is a fantastic day, big day for you. Congratulations from me. It's also a very big day for me. Uh, I would rank this. Oh, just below the day I married my wife, Carolyn, and the birth of my son, David, and my grandsons, Jack and Milo. Would you hold your hands up? I'm going to take you on a journey for the next few minutes, and it's going to end up, I think, in a very happy and, and wonderful place. But out of necessity, it's going to start off a little dark, so I apologize for that. I suspect most of you know of something called uh, the tradition of the last lecture. It's a way to honor a professor by having him or her give a lecture as if it were the last of a distinguished career. Now, I do not claim any particular distinction above the many professors I call friends at Ohio University. I'm here because my grad students worked hard to nominate and support me. And I love my grad students, and apparently they love me. But many professors and students share this bond, this closeness. I know this because, as Dr. Nellis said, I got my PhD here in 1996. You are at a very special school. What I do have that sets me apart from all these other distinguished professors is this idea of the last lecture. A while ago, I was diagnosed with terminal cancer. I'm getting good care from the Cleveland Clinic. I've already lived far longer than the bell curve would suggest for someone with my condition and treatment. 
I've been away from teaching this spring as I deal with some aggressive tumors, including some new ones in my lungs, which is why I'm a little out of breath. I don't know whether this talk today is going to be my last lecture per se, but please allow me to treat it as such. Now I know what you're thinking. Where can I get a cool hat like that? Isn't that the coolest hat? It's, it's kind of expensive, you know. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't pay for this. I borrowed it from Dr. Amy Edmondson, one of my, one of my faculty friends. But if you really want one, you can get one. You can, I, I, I rock this, I know. And let me tell you this. I'm happy. Don't cry for me. My sickness has made me appreciate things. Having cancer in a weird way has been a blessing. How is that possible? It wakes you to the glory of each new day because you don't know how many days you have. And you know what? All of us, sick or well, should be doing that. The phrase I like to use is we should squeeze the juice out of every day. Theologian Henry Nouwen says, we often live as if our happiness depended on having, but I don't know anyone who's really happy because of what he or she has. True joy, happiness, and inner peace come from the giving of ourselves to others. That truth, however, is usually discovered when we are confronted with our brokenness. Now, you don't have to be broken or sick in order to win this little game we call life. You just have to figure out which team you play for, Plato or Aristotle. I love a particular painting at the Vatican, and appropriate for this occasion, the painting is called The School of Athens. It's by the Renaissance master Raphael, not the Ninja Turtle. It depicts major thinkers of the classical age. There it is up top. In the center, in the red robe and the blue robe, stand the two greatest philosophers of ancient Greece, Plato on the left, Aristotle on the right. Now, Raphael has done something brilliant. In this little bit of painting, he has depicted two schools of thought that have been competing for 6,000 years. It's these schools I want to examine as I challenge you today. Now, Plato was Aristotle's teacher. In the painting, he's got gray hair and he's starting to lose it, and he has the posture of age. He taught that there is an ultimate reality beyond what we see. The things of this earth, says Plato, are merely shadows, reflections, of truth with a capital T. That truth lies beyond our senses. It can only be glimpsed as through a glass darkly. Plato compares reality to watching the flickering flames on a cave wall when reality lies in the sunshine outside the cave. So Plato points up the truth is up there. It's up there. It's what he tells Aristotle. 
his pupil. Aristotle, being the student, says, what do the faculty know? He says, baloney. He's young, he's brown-haired, he's proud. He holds out his hand, palm, toward the ground. And he seems to tell Plato, no, our knowledge comes from what we can see. Aristotle is the advocate of chemistry, physics, biology, science. Thank you. I knew there were some Thomas Dolby fans in the audience. So who's right? Should you be an Aristotelian or a Platonist? I suspect many of you are Aristotelians. You celebrate today as you get degrees for Aristotelian knowledge. But I want you to be Platonists too. That's going to be the takeaway message. This has two parts. I want you to live in the moment. I want you to squeeze that juice. I want you to pay heed to those flickering flames on that cave wall. And part two is, I want you to have that moment attached to a greater whole. The question for would-be Platonists is, can we ever find the big T truth? Mythologist Joseph Campbell said, and I quote, each person can have his own depth experience and some conviction of being in touch with his own being, true consciousness, and true bliss. But the religious people tell us we really won't experience it until we get to heaven. I believe in having as much, of, much as you can of this experience while you're alive. I think in heaven you'll be having such a marvelous time looking at God that you won't get your own experience at all. It's not the place to have it. Here is the place to have that experience. So how do we do that? The answer, as I see it, is to marry the knowledge and skills you have achieved at Ohio University with a purpose. The purpose, the bigger reality, that's where Plato points us. I cannot supply your purpose. You've got to figure it out for yourself. It may take you years. I didn't find mine till I was in my 30s. But I can tell you where to look. The answer lies in service to something bigger than yourself, something that you cannot see or weigh or place into a table of numbers. All the religions and great philosophies teach us that true value lies in things Aristotle cannot measure, and these may include love, kindness, patience, courage, altruism, the unselfish love of others. Antoine de Saint-Exupéry in The Little Prince, do you like my French accent? Antoine de Saint-Exupéry in The Little Prince says, it is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. Mahatma Gandhi says the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service to others. Pope Francis says, the world tells us to seek success, power, and money. God tells us to seek humility, service, and love. Devout Muslim Muhammad Ali says, service is 
to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. And speaking of the boxing champion, Muhammad Ali, I'm going to do a Bob Dylan impersonation now. I'm just warning you. For those of you who don't know, Nobel laureate Bob Dylan is a, a terrific poet and a terrible singer. Um, so what Bob Dylan says is, <clears throat> you may be ambassador to England or France. You might like to gamble. You might like to dance. You might be the heavyweight champion of the world. You might be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Now, why did I do that? Well, a couple reasons. Number one is I don't know how to do a Gandhi impersonation. <laughs> Number two, it's fun. It's fun, right? Flickering flames. This is a big day for you, but, but it's a fun day, too. You're going to have a biggest celebration, uh, one of the biggest celebrations of your life. So this is my gift to you, this speech. And we are acting as if it's my last lecture. I'd like to ask you to give a gift to me. I'm going to take that last line of Bob Dylan's, and I'm going to say it and pause, say it and pause, say it and pause. And then I'm going to point to you, and it's your turn. So I'm going to do my best slash worst. You can't do a bad Bob Dylan. He's bad. He's self-parody. I'm going to do a Bob Dylan, and then, and then you'll do it. Now, I know I can count on my cheering section over here and my family. See, they're getting ready. And my Friday morning boys, wherever you are. I'm like, hey, cool. And um, my fellow, I can count on you, President Nellis, can't I? Do a bad Bob Dylan. Okay? Now, if you're out there and you're a lady, you're a woman, you're thinking, I can't do Bob Dylan. Baloney. Academy Award winning actress Kate Blanchett played Bob Dylan in a movie to great acclaim. All right? So I'm going to say it as Bob Dylan, and I'm going to point at you, and it's your turn. Ready? But you're going to have to serve somebody. <laughs> that was pretty good. I know that each and every one of you gave it your best effort, but you know what? That person sitting next to you isn't doing it. So I want to, I want to challenge, first of all, look out the corner of your eye, give that person the stink eye, and then say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show that person how it's done. So number two. But you're going to have to serve somebody. But you're going to have to serve somebody. I believe. Give yourself a round of applause. That was great. Now, Mr. Honorary Degree Winner, many years from now, when you're talking to your friends or family and you recall this graduation ceremony, you're going to say something like this. There was this goofy professor who gave the graduation speech, and he made us all say this line from Bob Dylan like Bob Dylan. And the person you're talking to will say, what was the line? And you'll say, I have just put an earworm in your brain. You will remember the takeaway line from this speech, I win. <laughs> Thank you.
All right. Let me be clear. I'm not, I'm not selling religion here, neither any particular one nor in general, although I myself am a Christian. What I am doing is urging you to connect to something powerful and invisible, something or someone, an abstract greater than yourself, because I promise if you do this, you will never wake up disgusted about having to go to work. Each new day will excite you. Life is not a paycheck. And whatever you do, you will do it well because it will be in harmony with your deepest inner self. I know this to be true. I changed careers in my 30s because the discipline of my major was not connecting me with the electric currents of life. Change was scary, but it was so, so rewarding. I became a professor at age 37. I'm good at it because I know I was born for this job. I love my job. My purpose is to model a scholar's life, to point the way, to teach not just about journalism, but also about living right up until the end. That might have been my grandson. Joseph Campbell, again, says, how do we know if we're on the right track? If you follow your bliss, you put yourself on a kind of track that's been there all the while, waiting for you, and the life that you ought to be living is the one you're living somehow. And while you can see it, you begin to deal with people who are in the field of your bliss, and they open doors to you. I say, follow your bliss, and don't be afraid, and doors will open where you didn't know they were going to be. I hope you found the right track in your lives. If you find someday that this is not the case, don't despair. You have skills and knowledge thanks to this marvelous university. You just need to find your purpose. In closing, I would like to say it's not the quantity of life that matters. All life is too short. It's the quality. Find a way to make your life count for others, and it will count for you. Thank you. right. Again, thank you, Dr. Sweeney, for your very, very inspirational words. Let's give him one more round of applause, please. <laughs>